This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Today is Sunday, April 26, 2020. On this day in 1865, Union soldiers at a farm in Port Royal, Virginia, engaged in a deadly standoff with presidential assassin John Wilkes Booth. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today we're covering assassin John Wilkes Booth's last stand in a barn in Port Royal, Virginia. Eleven days had passed since he'd murdered the President of the United States, Abraham Lincoln. Eleven days of sleeping in the mud, nursing a leg injury, and trying to evade Union soldiers. But he couldn't get away forever. Let's go back to just before 3 a.m., April 26, 1865, on a tobacco farm in Virginia owned by Richard Garrett. Federal Detective Everton Conger and his unit, the 16th New York Cavalry, descended on Garrett's farm. Anticipation colored the air, making it taste sharp, dangerous. Even Conger's commanding officer, Lieutenant Edward P. Doherty, seemed grim and resolute. For over a week, Conger and countless Union soldiers had been hunting the cowardly traitor, John Wilkes Booth. They'd followed false leads and dead ends, all in pursuit of the man who'd done the unthinkable. He'd killed the President of the United States, and afterward, honorless Confederate sympathizers had helped him elude justice. Now Doherty wasn't taking any chances. His unit had gotten a tip that Booth and another man were hiding out at Garrett's farm. So when Conger and the others reached their destination, Doherty ordered that the landowner be hauled out for questioning. The men of the 16th quickly overcame the elderly Richard Garrett. And when Garrett refused to talk, Conger threatened to have him hung. Conger was on the verge of tying a noose when he heard the farmhouse door swing open. A young man's horrified voice cried out, Don't injure father. I will tell you all about these men. They're in the barn. Conger breathed a small sigh of relief as Garrett's son, Jack, led the troop away from the house. He wanted to capture the murderous John Wilkes Booth as much as anybody, but he didn't want to bloody his hands with a helpless old man's death to accomplish that. He only hoped this barn wouldn't prove to be another dead end. Conger didn't get to finish that thought. 
he heard the unmistakable rustling of someone stirring in the barn, John Wilkes Booth. Unfortunately, Booth was known to be armed. If anyone got too close to the barn entrance, they'd surely be shot. Doherty stationed his men around the structure, then shouted to the man inside. He soon confirmed his identity and that of his co-conspirator, David Harold. Luckily, Conger and his men had Booth surrounded. There was only one way for the Confederate killers to make it out alive. Surrender. After maybe 45 minutes of bargaining, Harold saw reason. He hollered that he was coming out, and Conger's associates allowed him to peaceably exit the barn. They arrested him without issue. But Booth remained inside. It soon became clear that the 16th would need to smoke Booth out, literally. So Conger and Jack Garrett torched the barn. The hot flames and black smoke roiled. Still, Booth refused to surrender. Minutes ticked away. Conger's colleague, Luther Baker, pulled open the door to peer inside at Booth. From his vantage point, Conger watched, amazed, as the visibly injured Booth hobbled to his feet. Conger disapproved of the rebels' murderous ways, but he still felt a small, begrudging respect for his refusal to back down. Even when he was surrounded, trapped in a burning building, Booth faced death on his feet. Until he didn't. With a sharp crack, Booth fell to the ground. His gun helplessly clattered from his hands. The assassin had been shot. Conger wasn't entirely sure who'd fired or why, but this was his chance to bring Booth in. He and a few colleagues rushed into the burning building to drag him out. But Conger had been wrong about one thing. It was too late to take Booth alive. The shot had fatally punched through the assassin's neck. He faced a slow but inevitable death. In the hours that followed, Conger and the others tried to question Booth about the assassination. Why had he done it? Under whose orders? What conspirators could he name? But Booth was rarely cogent enough to offer an answer. Shortly after dawn on April 26th, he breathed his last. The man who'd killed Abraham Lincoln was dead, and the mystery of why he'd done it could never be solved. Up next, we'll discuss the unanswered questions about President Abraham Lincoln's assassination. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. On April 26, 1865, a group of Union soldiers cornered assassin John Wilkes Booth in a barn on Garrett's farm in Virginia. 
After a tense standoff, Booth was fatally shot in the neck. And along with Booth died all hope that the South might rise again. The actor-turned-assassin had identified with the pro-slavery Confederacy throughout the Civil War. As the conflict stretched on and more Southern soldiers died, Booth nursed a hatred for the president of the Union, Abraham Lincoln. That hatred blossomed into violence in April 1865. Confederate General Robert E. Lee surrendered to the Union Army at Appomattox Courthouse in Virginia. This signaled the end of the Civil War, but Booth couldn't accept the loss. He became convinced that he could restart the rebellion by destabilizing the United States government. All he needed to do was commit a few murders. Booth and his conspirators identified three targets, Lincoln, Vice President Andrew Johnson, and Secretary of State William Seward. Each man would be killed simultaneously around 10 p.m. on April 14, 1865. Of the three planned assassinations, Booth's was the only success. But the breadth and ambition of his plan led investigators like Secretary of War Edwin Stanton to believe that Booth had been part of a massive conspiracy. How could a mere actor orchestrate such an attack? Did he have allies among the Confederate government? Or even worse, within the Union? Stanton ordered that the killer be brought in alive for questioning. Nearly a thousand Union soldiers were deployed, making the manhunt one of the largest in U.S. history. Yankee soldiers and police alike tracked Booth from Washington, D.C., across the Potomac River into Virginia, and ultimately to a barn on Richard Garrett's tobacco farm. But Booth refused to be brought in alive. Everton Conger of the 16th New York Cavalry set the barn on fire. But even this didn't deter Booth. The standoff didn't end until Sergeant Boston Corbett fatally shot him in the neck. Corbett had killed the most hated man in America, but he'd also deprived Secretary of War Stanton of the opportunity to question him. Faced with a possible court-martial, Corbett maintained that he'd fired in self-defense. He argued he'd seen Booth lift his weapon and had shot to save his colleagues' lives. To this day, it's impossible to know whether Corbett genuinely believed a compatriot was in danger. He might have just had an itchy trigger finger. Some people even think Corbett killed Booth on purpose to silence him and cover up a larger conspiracy around the death of Lincoln. Corbett never had to account for his actions in a courtroom because he'd become an instant celebrity after killing Booth. The Johnson administration didn't want to risk the bad PR of going after the newly minted American hero. John Wilkes Booth's inconvenient death is a key feature of modern conspiracy theories about President Lincoln's death. Over 150 years have passed since the assassination, and the country still lacks answers about how it happened, as well as any sense 
of closure. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. To hear more about the mysteries surrounding Abraham Lincoln's death, check out the Lincoln episodes of Conspiracy Theories. And for an in-depth look at the official story, listen to our three-part series in Assassinations. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Angela Jorgensen, with writing assistance by Maggie Admire. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 